0: You're listening to the Redemption Church podcast as we go through a series called A Beacon of Light, a case study of Hezekiah. So if you have a Bible, turn to Second Chronicles chapter 32. Uh, that's going to be in your phone. It's an Old Testament book. If you need a physical Bible, we have there in the back for you. Uh, we've been digging into this guy, Hezekiah. He's a king of Judah. Um, And uh, it's been a really sweet time. And tonight we're going to go into an important topic uh, in his life, and this is his area, as Hezekiah struggles with pride. Hezekiah struggles with pride. Um, This is important for us to look at because oftentimes what ends up happening when we do like a case study or when we elevate or look to a man or a woman, we can idolize them. And as Sue just testified, we don't want to have idols in our heart and look to Hezekiah and worship him. We want to see the great God that Hezekiah worshiped that strengthened him, as his his name means, to worship him tonight. And so we need to make sure that when we do these case studies, we're exemplifying Christ and how God is working in people's lives. For Romans 15, 4 says, These things were written for our encouragement and hope that we might have some encouragement and hope today. Because our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The things that we read about in Scripture, about the Almighty God and who he is, he is active and working right now. And he brought you here for a reason. You're listening to my voice for a certain purpose. And he's alive in your heart or alive in your life. And he wants to do work in your heart and transform you. And so when we go to these studies or we go to God's word, we should be saying, what is this teaching me about God? What does this apply to my life? What what are some action steps? And we see tonight that Hezekiah's pride rises up and he doesn't give glory to God and God's response and his action. So we need to learn these important lessons in our life because as Hezekiah is going to struggle with pride, I'm sure that most of us in this life have also struggled with pride, amen? Pride, it's a terrible thing. I was thinking about pride. It's an elevated view of oneself, an elevated view, looking more highly than you should, or a self-reliance that is terribly dangerous to your life. We need to view pride in this sense. Being self-reliant or not depending on God. You know, one commentator, William Barclay, he wrote this. Pride is the ground in which all other sins grow. The parent from which all other sins come. This sin of pride or self-reliance causes us to depend on us and not God. And we all get tempted in doing this in our lives. And this is what happens to Hezekiah as we read the story tonight. But God tells us that this pride leads to many problems in our life, like Proverbs 16, 18, where there is pride, people fall. And so Satan, he uses pride in our lives to tempt us, to lead us down a path of destruction so that we would, our lives will be ruined. It's a primary weapon of Satan to destroy us. And Satan knows how dangerous this thing is of pride, Because we read in Isaiah, the prophet of the day, in Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15, it says that Satan himself committed the sin of pride. He was an angel, and then he became a fallen angel. He wanted worship for himself. He rebelled against God, sought worship and obedience that God alone deserves, and God kicked him out of heaven, and now his destiny is hell. Why? Pride. So he knows how pride can destroy a life because this is the destiny he has in the prophecy over him. And now he wants to speak that over us and tempt us with this issue of pride. One commentator said, Scripture pictures our adversary, the devil, as a serpent and a lion. Genesis 3, 2 Corinthians 11, 1 Peter 5. But Satan usually comes first as a serpent to deceive us, but if that doesn't work, he returns as a lion to devour us. So he's a deceiver. He's active. He wants to destroy us and he lies to us. But if that doesn't work and we combat it with truth, then he'll actually take a different angle and this sin of pride. Now, Warren Wearsby said about pride he said, Pride makes us rob God of the glory that belongs to him alone. Pride grows us in the feeling of the false security that leads us into sin and defeat. It's a false security. You being God. You trying to run your life. It's a false security. It seems more comfortable, but the reality is, is God blesses those who submit to Him. And we resist, submit to Him, resist the devil, and the devil will flee. But we have to submit to God in humility. Even our... um, I was thinking about this. Maybe this is why Scripture tells us that this is why the Lord hates pride. So I've been studying through Proverbs, you know, that's one of the seven things the Lord hates is is a prideful heart. In our weekly readings that we have a reading plan to go through, I had you read Deuteronomy 8 which may seem like a weird passage to you, but that was the reminder for Moses giving the law to the people again before he passes away about this deceptive temptation of pride as they go into the promised land not to be deceived because they will have self-reliance or think that they are higher than themselves, that God gave them this grace and they should worship Him and Him alone. You see, last week we learned in a great battle... uh, that Hezekiah overcame and had victory in the Lord as he humbled himself and prayed. Wasn't that awesome? I mean, what a gift uh, Robin is to our church and the teaching that he did and sharing history and those lessons that the Lord fights on our behalf because Hezekiah was so desperate, he actually went to God and asked for help. So there was this great battle, and through humility, Hezekiah won. But this week... We're going to see that there will be great blessings in Hezekiah's life, but he's going to suffer great defeat because of his pride. Oftentimes we think, if we could just, Lord, just bless me, if he could bless me, if he could bless me. Well, actually, sometimes he brings trials and testing into our lives so we would depend on him more and have victory rather than be blessed, settled, and depend more on ourselves. Maybe this is why Charles Spurgeon told his congregation in London when he was alive be not proud of race, face, place, or grace. I mean, come on, that's, that's awesome, right? Be not fow- proud of race, face, place, or grace. It's some good advice. Don't let pride creep in to your life about anything because God is the giver of all good gifts. So if there is good in your life, it is of God, and he deserves worthy and praise of that, and we should give honor and glory to him. We need to run from pride as a people and see how devastating and destructive it is and continue to walk in humility. So, with all that in mind, let's go to the story. Let's learn what we're gonna learn tonight. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Verses 24 through 29. And then, if you have a, a footnote or a, a, little, a, a little margin in your Bible, or if you want to preemptively, you could turn to 2 Kings chapter 20 as we're going to dive into uh, Hezekiah and this story, this next section of his life. We'll read it and then we'll pray together. Verse 24 In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And he prayed to the Lord. And he answered him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him, for his heart was proud. Therefore, because of this, wrath came upon him and Judah and Jerusalem. But Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon upon them in the days of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was very great, uh, had very great riches and honor, and he made for himself treasuries uh, for silver, for gold, for precious stone, for spices, for shield, for all kinds of costly vessels. Vessels, It says in verse 28, storehouses also for the yield of grain, wine, oil, and stalls for all kinds of cattle and sheepfolds. He likewise provided uh, cities for himself and flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him very great possessions. God, we come to you again in prayer, once again humbling ourselves, saying speak. We thank you, Lord, that we can sing, we can pray, we can testify, but ultimately we come um, because your spirit wants to do a work in our lives. So I thank you for drawing everyone here tonight. I pray it would be a blessing as we study about this subject. I thank you, God, for your goodness, that you are at work in our lives, even right now, and so, teach us, Holy Spirit, more of who you are and how the beauty of Jesus in this moment. Lord, may we walk in humility. May we learn from pride. And may we see, God, just how good you are to love us even in the midst of our pride. It's in your amazing name, Jesus. We ask this. Amen. Amen. Well, let's do some study, let's do some deductive work here. In verse 24, it starts off and says, In those days. In those days. Remember, this is like a history lesson. This actually happened. It's an event. And we're studying scripture, and so we got to do groundwork, and we have to ask, well, what is this referring to? And even if you didn't know, follow with the study, there's a context to this. Uh, when the Lord delivered Hezekiah and the nation, it was this great, infamous story. The angel of the Lord came. God delivered and saved the nation in a great miraculous way. So cool, giving Hezekiah wisdom to build a tunnel, to do strategy. But then ultimately, Hezekiah did what he can do. God did what he can do. This is pretty much our our, our walk of faith, right? We do what we can do, but God's going to do what he can do. And God gave Hezekiah and the nation this great victory. And so Pastor Robin did a great job teaching us that last week. And so now, if you read, if you go back just a little bit, in verse twenty through twenty-three, it gives us sort of the context and the summary of that story. Uh, it says, "Then Hezekiah, the king of uh, the king, and Isaiah, the prophet—remember those are—they're living a, a life together. Isaiah is the prophet of the land of Judah. Uh, he actually has his own book of the Bible in the Bible. There are sixty-six chapters in Isaiah. He's the son of Amoz. He prayed because of this and cried to heaven, and the Lord sent an angel." Who cut off all the mighty warriors and commanders and officers in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame on his face to his own land. And when he had came into the house of God, some of his sons struck him down there with the sword. Wasn't that really cool to be able to dig in and see that and and look at how all these passages, Isaiah, kings, all talked about this. Uh, and then, so the Lord saved Hezekiah and in the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of this king and from the hand of all his enemies. He provided them from every side, and many brought gifts to the Lord, to Jerusalem, and precious things to Hezekiah king of Judah. So Hezekiah, it says, was exalted in the sight of all nations from the, to that time onward. This is where we find Hezekiah his life. Being exalted among the nations, getting a lot of treasure and riches, God has given him this great victory, and the Lord was working mightily in the life of Hezekiah, and his fame was growing as king. You could imagine the temple's being restored. There's order. He has godly leadership. All these things are going well, but God was blessing both Hezekiah and the nation, following his ways, just as we read in Deuteronomy 28, where God said, if you follow me, you'll be blessed. You need to know when you follow God you will be blessed. Even when it comes to those storehouses, the riches, the victory, all these battles, things going on. In the end of this text when we read, it said the Lord brought prosperity. He brought these blessings to the nation, to the king. But even though Hezekiah was following God, it didn't mean his life was perfect. Just like when you follow God, when you put your faith in Jesus, you're a Christian, doesn't mean your life is perfect. You still stumble, you still get tempted. Last week we learned that he still had to fight certain battles and there were circumstances in his life that he could not control. And he had to trust God through those things. God was present and he was working and we see the blessings of God in his life in those days of Hezekiah. But verse 24 tells us he becomes sick and another trial comes in his life. God tells him he's going to die. Look at verse 24 in Chronicles. It says, in those days, remember, this is the day. These are the days after this exalted king and all these things are happening. He was doing everything right, trusting in the Lord. He became sick. Illment. And was at the point of death. It was serious. And so he prayed to the Lord and God answered him and gave him a sign. Now, this is an amazing story that's found in two other places in Scripture. Isaiah 38 and then 2 Kings 20. Turn your Bibles to 2 Kings 20 as we're going to dig in a little bit deeper and see the issue at hand and look at the details of this story. 2 Kings chapter 20 verses 1 through 11 sort of share the story of what's happening here. Because in one verse, they give a whole bunch of details. Isn't that crazy, the different perspectives? That's why I love testimonies and coming up. We can have one Bible study and so many people can get response and the Lord can speak to so many people in different ways in their lives. That's how good He is. He knows you individually and He's able to do that. And so it's written down in Isaiah 38. It's also written down in Kings. Kings 20, verse 1. We're going to walk through this story of when these things happen, And notice the language in verse 1. It says, In those days... Hezekiah, so the Bible is repeating itself, it's saying it's this time, this context, same text, became sick and was at the point of death. But then it gives us more details of what happens. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amoz, uh, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover." God was warning Hezekiah because he was sick and it was bad to the point of death, so much so that God sent Isaiah out of mercy to say, you need to prepare to die. Get your house in order. And I say this by mercy because God wanted him to prepare for death. And this is not a bad thing. Many of us, we need to be preparing for death. You know, Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number the days our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. When we are actually preparing for death, it is actually a wise thing and a biblical thing to live as if you are going to die and meet God, that you're going to give an account, that God is real, that you'll meet Him face to face. This will change the trajectory of your life and how you live. 1 John 3, 1, I believe, says, for those that long for the appearing of Christ, it's, it helps us purify our hearts for Him. It's actually wise for us to understand that. So in God's great mercy, he sends the man of God, Isaiah prophet, to say, get your stuff in order. Get your life together. I just wanted to pause and think about this, a question for you. What does it look like for you to get your house in order? What does it look like in your life if you actually believe that you were going to die? It may be 80 years, it may be in eight years. But statistically speaking, y'all are going to fade away. The Bible warns us like grass. It just comes and it goes. This is not a lack of faith. This is because of our faith. And we should say, what does it look like for me to live for Jesus because I'm going to meet him in reality in heaven, to give an account for all my words, my actions. You see how this is the mercy of God? He could have just taken Hezekiah out, but he said, no, 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 you need to prepare. And God is a very merciful God to us, and he has told us that we will give an account. Jesus will judge the living and the dead, and he wants to give mercy. And so he wants us to think about these things. Jesus said, the rain fall on the just and the unjust, Matthew 5, 45. And we must all face illness and death because sin and our broken world. But with Jesus, we can face death in victory true wisdom, because He conquered sin and death, and He gives us eternal life as we place our faith in Him. You don't have to fear death. Oh, victory. Sting. where or Death, where is your sting? We have victory in Christ Jesus, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says. So we should be looking to Jesus, and that is a wise thing to do. And so Hezekiah, even though he's following God, was sick and had to face death and illness, just like you and I have to face death and illness. But in verses 2 through 6, it tells us that he went to God and he was delivered. Just like when we go to God, we can be delivered. Now look at this verse, look at this context. So we have the bad news. God literally says, you're going to die. Set your house in order. You shall not recover. But then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and prayed to the Lord. Remember Isaiah was there? He just got rid of man. He didn't care who was there. He just went straight to God. There are some problems that man cannot face, even a man of God. You have to go straight to God yourself. You have to cry out to Him. You have to understand that He loves you, and you can go to Him, and He wants to accept your life. Someone, some other people cannot deliver. God is a great deliverer. Hezekiah knew this, so he just... Naromot just focused, goes to the wall, starts weeping, he starts crying, and he starts praying. It says he prayed to the Lord. And this is his prayer in verse 3. Now, O Lord, please remember how I walked before you in faithfulness with a whole heart. I have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah... Remember, that was the man of God that told Hezekiah he was going to die, had gone out to the middle of the court. The word of the Lord came to him. Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of the people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Now, here's an amazing thing Hezekiah turned to God in prayer and was delivered from death. In a moment of desperation, it says God heard his prayer. He wasn't condemning Hezekiah. Oh, now you're going to come to me? Oh, now you finally realize you need... No, he heard his prayer and he told Isaiah, I've heard this prayer, I'm going to answer it. So he turns his face away from Isaiah with weeping tears and God hears his prayers. Do you know that God hears your prayers? That your prayers matter? I don't know about you, but this story makes me pumped. Because Hezekiah prayed, God said, it's going to happen. He prayed and this didn't happen. History was changed because one person prayed. He humbled himself. He prayed. He talked to God. This should make us people of prayer. People say, well, how does prayer work? And I don't know, but it works. You can talk to God and the will of God can be changed and we can align our lives to the will of God in prayer and he answers prayer. It makes a big difference. Before prayer, he was going to die. After prayer, he was going to live. Big difference, right? Right. I wonder what things we could bring to God in our disparity, in our, in our just misery, in just, in just an attitude and posture of like, this is, this is true, this is real, this is horrible. But God, let me go to you and ask you to move And how many things He changes. Because He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. He's a powerful God. And He answers prayer. And this is how prayer is. As you turn to God in humility and dependence on him, he hears us and he changes things. And it's not just for Hezekiah. It's for people like you and me. Because if we look at the gospel writer of John, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, John says that we can pray according to God's word and he answers us. That we actually have this confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have that request that we have asked Him. God moves through prayer and answers everything according to His will. So another question for you. Are you asking God for things? Are you praying? Are you looking at the circumstance through the lens of hope and faith, trusting in God that He can move anything according to His will? Hezekiah can say I did it and it changed my life, and you know what? Today, people call out to God and pray to Him all the time, and it changes their lives, because the Bible says in Romans 10:9 that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that He is risen from the dead, we will be saved. If you're a Christian, you prayed to God and God delivered you from not only just this, this illness of death, but the ultimate death, your sin problem. We should know the power of prayer if we're a Christian because we didn't get saved because we were really good. We got saved because we wept and we cried out to God and said, Help! And in our humility, He came on His might, pouring out His grace and saving us. Amen? And so we know the power of prayer as God's people. If you don't know the power of prayer, you need to go back and ask, well, How did I get saved? What does that look like? We need to humble ourselves and we need to pray because prayer makes a difference because as we learned last week God fights on our behalf there is a spiritual realm going on and when we pray all of heaven moves God hears our prayers we don't always get the right answer we want we don't always get the right timing but I love that we could have confidence and you could have confidence right now that if you sin you can have forgiveness because of God's word it's true he desires that no one would perish but have, all would have everlasting life. And He made a way that we wouldn't go be destined for hell but know Him and have eternity with Him in heaven. We can call out to God and receive His grace not only for our salvation of eternity but right now for the things that are on our hearts. The move of God is so good. He's so great. Now I know this may seem to be true. That's why the Bible says it's the gospel. It's good news. We should celebrate. We should be a people that are smiling, full of joy. We've been saved, and God actually does miracles. He does miracles. He does miracles. Some of you guys sometimes don't believe that, but he does miracles, and he could do miracles in your life with, through humility. And so Hezekiah asked for a sign sort of weird, but it's sort of true. It's just like us, right? Like we have this answer, like, is this too good to be true? Does God really love me this much? But I've blown it and I've done this and I've done that. Or shouldn't I be a better person? Is this too good to be true? And God gives Hezekiah a sign and God has given us a sign that he hears our prayers, that he is a mighty God and can move. Now let's read verse 7 through 11 and hear this sign. So after he cries out, To God, God responds, and Isaiah says back to Hezekiah, So bring a cake of figs, and let them take and lay it on the boil, that he may recover. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me, that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? And Isaiah said, This shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps? Or go back ten steps. And Hezekiah answered, Well, it's an easy thing for the shadow of a length to uh, go forward ten steps. Rather, let the shadow go back ten steps. And Isaiah the prophet called to the Lord, and he brought the shadow back ten steps, by which it had gone down on the steps of Ahaz. Okay, let's break this down. It's a little weird, isn't it? You're like, what in the world? The steps and the sun. You ever know what a sundial is? A watch? I used to have a sundial thing here and the sun would make a time and he's saying, you want to go forward? You want to go backwards? It's crazy. Isaiah, first off, does this simple thing by putting a cake of figs on Hezekiah's boil uh, and says it would heal him. Imagine that. This delicacy is like, okay, here's this dessert, but just don't eat it. Touch it with your skin. Just Here's some ointment, just boom, put it on there. So it seems too simple. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? But it's an important principle here because I think God wanted us to realize this, and at least as I was studying this thing, it made me think, let's not forget the work that God could simply do in powerful ways. He can work in a very natural, supernatural way. He can work in a very simple way. Sometimes we think if, God, if we just pray hard enough or we do this or whatever, God would just, man, he'll answer that prayer and he'll just move. No, God could just be like, okay, I heard you, and this is going to be the answered prayer. Oh, you need to pay your bill? Okay, here's a check. Wait, was that from God? I don't know. Someone gave me that money, and I don't know, but I was praying. and uh, uh, No, God works sometimes very simply. Let me give you an illustration. For years, my wife, Laura, who's doing the kids right now, usually leads worship with us, um, with me, and um, for years she had migraines chronic migraines, woman of God, not in sin. Many of you prayed for her, laid hands on with oil, all this different stuff. 10 days out of the month, migraines. Kept on praying, kept on believing, kept on praying. There was a new medicine that came out. She started taking it. The last year and a half, two years, she hasn't had migraines. It's gone away. Wait, but that was medicine though. That wasn't God, right? Or was it God giving a simple answer through medicine? You decide. Do you understand that Hezekiah is praying? The prophet prays. God says, okay, do this. God could answer our prayers through very simple means. God, I just pray I find a parking spot, and you find one. Oh, that was coincidence. That was God. That was, he doesn't care about that little stuff. Maybe he does because he actually wants to minister to you in ways that only he can minister to. And so he hears our prayers, and he answers very supernaturally sometimes through people, Through circumstances, because remember he's like providentially sovereign, so he can actually manipulate circumstances and write history. He actually brings natural things like a good friend into your life where you guys connect personality-wise, but it actually could just be a prayer of yours that you just want a friend. God does these things and just tells us uh, that he is a God that works in miraculous ways, in simple ways, and in very natural ways. And oftentimes, we over-spiritualize so many different things and forget that God is the giver of all good gifts, that he should deserve all of our praise. So when you wake up and you have breath, that is actually a gift from God. But that's also how God made your body. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't give glory to God. So in everything, give glory to God, whether it be medicine or you get laid hands on and your cancer is healed. Give glory to God. So he gets this simple method, this fig, this cakes, and Hezekiah is like, okay, I didn't really feel anything. There's no emotion. Is it a miracle? Is it done? Should I have extra faith? And so he basically says, "Um, I need a sign. I don't really know if this is of God or not. And one of the reasons why he needed a sign, because God said to go and worship him on the third day at the house of the Lord. But if he was defiled, he couldn't go, according to the law, to the house of the Lord and worship him. So he didn't want to disobey. He didn't want to step out being a foolish in his faith. He wanted to be wise. It's a hard balance sometimes, isn't it? Because sometimes you have to be stupid in your own mind sometimes and have a lot of faith in things that don't make any sense. But then there's other times where you have faith, but then you have to be very practical, like saving money. Right? You got to save. That's a wise thing to do, to prepare. But you have faith through that. So it's like, where's the balance here? So he's thinking, okay, um, Lord, I don't want to defile your house. You told me to do this. You said I'm healed. So give me a sign. So Isaiah literally gives him a choice. He gives him a choice to have the shadow go down forwards or backwards. He's saying, hey, how would you like God to manipulate the sun? That's what he's basically doing. And you may think, well, that's a weird thing. Not really. He's done it before. If you read Joshua chapter 8, when there was a great battle in the promised land, the sun stood still and God had a great victory. Joshua said, sun stand still. Sun stood still. He had the victory. He did it. God is able to do miraculous things. So much so that Hezekiah says, well, it's a little bit easier if the shadow goes forward. Maybe it's a brighter, hotter day. And sometimes that could happen. Let's go make it go backwards. Isaiah is like, okay. So he prays. God doesn't even blink. Gives him a sign. Another answered prayer. Now, don't forget that God has given us a great sign as well. When it comes to our healing and salvation and the sin and illness of death and disease and hell and our destiny, God not only died for our sin, but on the third day, he rose again. The Bible talks about this, what we're going to celebrate in Easter. it's one of the greatest proofs, or signs that God could give to us so that we would know that we would know that we can go into the house of the Lord and give him praise and have a relationship with Him and have the Holy Spirit dwell with us, that on the third day Jesus rose again. God does not rebuke Hezekiah for wanting a sign, and some of you skeptics or people would doubt, you want a sign as well. Great. God can prophesy, He could speak forth, and He can do it. And that's what He did. He said He was going to die on the cross. Three days later, He said He was going to rise again. He died on the cross. Three days later, He rose again. He's given us signs and evidences to build our faith to know. God has sealed us with His Spirit, and now the hope of glory dwells in us. This true miracle. These are still signs for us today to help us know that our salvation is from God and not from us. And maybe this is why the Bible exhorts us to praise God and to boast in Him for His great grace and salvation. Psalm 34, 1-4 through 4 says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. We have a reason to rejoice because God heals and he gives us evidence and he walks with us even in our doubt, even in our sin nature. He's a God of mercy. But sadly, it isn't a life-changing experience for Hezekiah. You see, you would think that the next part of this text would say that Hezekiah would start praising God. Next week we'll look at Isaiah's capture and he sort of does this, but only with his lips. Not with his actions. He, you think that he would magnify the Lord and give credit to God, boasting in His great work. But sadly, it isn't. He starts to think of himself as high, uh, think of himself in pride, too highly of himself, and starts boasting in his own greatness. It's almost, it's almost unreal. Like you, like no, you, you're making this up. It's true. If you go back to Chronicles, verse twenty-five, I have it on the screen here. It says this. But Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him. He didn't respond appropriately to the great miracle that God just did. Literally moving the sun, literally healing his life, giving him more years, giving him mercy, letting him walk in wisdom. And he somehow did not respond appropriately to the benefit done to him for his heart was proud told you is dangerous. I told you pride is dangerous. His heart was proud, so therefore wrath came upon him, Judah, and Jerusalem. Hezekiah didn't respond with appreciation and in a way that gave God glory. Why? Because he had a proud heart. Now, we don't know how exactly he did not respond. Maybe in his heart he said, well, I deserve to be healed. Or maybe God owed him. Maybe he said, look how great I am for God to bless me. Not only with this stuff, but he keeps on just blessing me. We're not exactly sure what was going on in his heart, but we do know that the text said that there was pride in his heart. It was a self-reliance in his heart. One, not depending on God, but rather self. All because, and here's a crazy thing you may not think about that's very prideful. He wasn't appreciative. He didn't have the appropriate response. It was pride that caused him not to be a people, a person of thanks. Did not have the right response to the work and the grace of God. He must have thought his own works and not the grace of God was the key factor of his healing and salvation and blessing. And he may not even have said it to anyone, but God knew. If you notice in Kings, in verse 3 of chapter 20, that verse, he says, O oh Lord, please remember how I, how I have walked before you in my faithfulness. But notice why God heals him in verse 6. I will defend this city for my sake, for my name's sake, and for my servant, David. God heals him because of his word, his character, his goodness, not because of Hezekiah's faithfulness. And many of us flip this around. We think that God is blessing us because we're so good, we're so great, we're so amazing. God desperately wants to bless us for His name's sake, so that He would receive glory. And in our pride, we can start thinking it's all about us. And we're so good. And we're so great. Isaiah 38, we'll look at it next week. He records Hezekiah saying some words, thanking God with his lips. But we're going to read in 2 Kings how he didn't thank God with his life. He had an emotional response to this healing, but in Chronicles it says, it wasn't an appropriate way. Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him. David said this in Psalm 116, 12-14. What shall I render to the Lord for all the benefits to me? Has God blessed you? Has He healed you? Has He saved you? He says, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord, and I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. A natural response to God's grace and receiving his grace is a heart of appreciation and gratitude, telling other people of God and his goodness, and the response should be your life worshiping God. How is your response to God's salvation? Is it one of just lip service that comes to church and sings praises, but Monday through Saturday you're just living for yourself in pride? Not having an appropriate response to hearing the gospel? One that, "Ah, I'll take this side of the Bible, but not that side. Well, that's really a hard thing. Like I mean, we're just talking. It's not really gossip, you know, whatever. How is your response to God's grace? He actually sees your heart. He knows That you can have just lip service, and he rebuked the people of the day through his prophets like Isaiah, like Amos, like Micah, to say, You need to worship me with your life. And in 2 Kings verse 12 through 19, really shows us this prideful and selfish heart of Hezekiah, how he showed some diplomats from Babylonian his glory and his might. Let's continue to read the story in verse 12 through 13. It says, At the time. Merodach, Balion, the son of Balion. I love when they do that. The son of. The son of Balion, king of Babylon. It's a lot of bees. Sent envoys. These are representatives with letters. Okay. So just pay attention. It's at this time, Hezekiah, in those days. At this time, he just got healed. And they sent envoys with letters, a present to Hezekiah. For he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. Hezekiah was truly sick. God truly did deliver him. And Hezekiah welcomed them, and he showed them all of his treasures, houses and silver and gold and spices and precious oil in his armory, and all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show him. Now remember, we read in Chronicles 32 that those possessions, those Storehouses, silver, gold, cattle, all that stuff was from the Lord. That Hezekiah had great riches and honor. For God, it says, had given him very great possessions. And so he starts showing these Babylonian officials all his, all his treasures, all of his might, boasting of his fame. So Isaiah comes to Hezekiah and he asks him a few questions. Questions can reveal some things in your heart. You should have some friends that ask you good questions like, what is Jesus teaching you this week? How are you applying that scripture? What is that? How can I pray for you? What does that look like? Questions are a good thing. And so Isaiah in verse 14 and 15, he comes alongside Hezekiah. He says, then Isaiah, the prophet came to king Hezekiah and said to him, what did these men say? What did they say? And from where did they come to you? And Hezekiah said to them, well, they have come from a far country from Babylon. Remember, the main enemy in the time right now was Assyria. Babylon, uh, if you look at a map, it was like way over here. Like way over here. They're, they're coming from a far away. And he said, well, what have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered him, well, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Almost as like proud, like, oh, I took care of my shoulder. Man, look at us, man. We're great. We're good. Isaiah now prophesies that Babylon, because of Hezekiah's bragging and boasting, would now defeat Judah. Notice that Hezekiah told Isaiah where they came from, but he didn't actually mention what he said, like any of his bragging. You know how sometimes, like, we can come to church and we can say a lot of stuff? but we just hold out some certain stuff. But God sees that certain stuff. He didn't say, well, he said, where did they, what do you say and where do they come from? Oh, they came from Babylon. He didn't say what they said to him. Like, oh, great, Hezekiah, so amazing. You're so good. You're so great. This is so incredible. He didn't say how he rebuked them. Nope, he just said where they came from. Verse 16 and 18 say this, through 18. Well, then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. This is a prophecy. This would happen about a hundred years later in the time of Daniel. The prophet Jeremiah would be alive. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And the sum of your own sons who shall be born to you, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. He says, okay, you showed them all this stuff, but let me tell you, they're going to now come and desire your possessions. You didn't have wisdom. You didn't ask about God, about what you should do. You didn't consult me. You just started boasting in your own glory. Hezekiah was boastful and proud in his own way, showing off his own glory. And this is significant that the text sort of alludes to or tells you. He was not boasting in God. Now, although Hezekiah had riches, the nation would be blessed. You would think when there are foreigners, people that are not, are far from God and have different idols, when they would come in, delegates, diplomats, right, envoys with these letters, that this would be the perfect opportunity to share about the goodness of God, the gospel. Hey, you guys worship idols, but God has just saved us. This is the reason why we have it. And he showed him his house, not the temple of the Lord, like where the sacrifices are, like how he got to the place where he was at, like his repentance and sin, where you had to sacrifice animals, And show these people, hey, there's a God that can cover your sin, and he loves you, and he cares for you, and he can bless your life as he's blessed mine. He didn't explain about the temple. He didn't explain about the sacrifices, how he had to repent. No. He showed him all of his glory, all of his riches. So rather than hearing about a great and mighty God, these officials saw Hezekiah's great wealth. People see our blessings And if we're not careful, we can steal glory from God by not saying, I have a great marriage because we're quick to forgive because both my wife and I serve the Lord together because God has blessed us. Oftentimes in the world, you say, "Well, well, I'm just a hard worker. Check all this out. No, 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 no. God has given you even the ability to do that job. We need to make sure that we don't, in our pride, take credit where God has given us a gift. And the Bible biblically says everything that we have is a gift. And so we should always be giving credit to the Lord. But in Hezekiah's pride, he showed them everything and tried to impress them, to make an alliance with them to fight Assyria. Isn't that something? God just gave him the victory, did this super miraculous miracle of slaying all these people, and he's trying to impress the Babylon kingdom to make an alliance to say, look how oppressed I am. Look, we can team up together and we could do it. Other texts tell us this. He wanted to impress them and went to them for help rather than going to God. Think about it. He wanted to make an alliance so that they would team up and they could fight their enemy when God just set them free and fought on his behalf. Remember, it was God who delivered Hezekiah and even gave him all these riches and honor. But pride, it blinded Hezekiah. And it will blind you. It'll blind me. Thinking that we're something when we're not. This guy literally was in communication with a prophet. Hearing from the word, like, think about that isaiah was a prophet he actually could have known the hearts of these guys and give him wisdom and hezekiah and his pride didn't even go to the word of the lord to get advice about the life situation you know in our pride we have scripture where literally the word of the lord and the will of god for your life is in here It wants to give you wisdom and we can out of our flesh just live a life and not even go to god's word and get wisdom Pride could blind us. No, we got this. I know how to, I'm just going to go to work. I'm going to do this. No, I got that verse from a couple of years ago. I was like, it's fine. It's no big deal. Hezekiah didn't pray in this moment. He didn't go after the word of the Lord. He just went off the blessings of God. And he thought it was him. And Isaiah would write more about this in his own book because you see in Isaiah 1 through 38 it deals all with the Assyrian kingdom but then in chapter 39 it starts dealing 39 through 66 all about the Babylonian kingdom and prophecy towards this one day where God would judge the nation of Judah through the Babylonian kingdom and this would actually be fulfilled 100 years later through his own Jeremiah's own son sons they would be taken away way if you read Daniel the prophet, the book in the Bible, 100 years later, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 through 4 is taken, where? To the king's palace, just like this text says. Hezekiah had great victory when he was humble, depending on God through prayer, but as he boasted and was proud in the Lord, our proud, the Lord brought him low. You know, next week we're going to read from the prophet Lamentations, from, from the prophet Jeremiah who wrote Lamentations. He was a prophet when this prophecy was fulfilled. It's so random in our reading plan. It's not even historically there, but I gave that to you because I wanted you to see the heart of God even when we mess up. God weeps when we're proud. He laments. He cries. He doesn't want us to suffer. But in Hezekiah's sin, God was giving them a consequence and said, now you and the nation will be distressed and pulled out. And when that happens, God says there is mercy, new mercy. Lamentations 3 talks about it. But this would actually happen. And maybe that's why Jeremiah the prophet, when he was writing his letter to the people at the time, in his letter in verse chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, He was warning the nation a hundred years later if this Babylonian kingdom was there destroying Judah, he would say this, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the uh, mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. And in this moment, Hezekiah cared more about what man thought than trusting in God. Again, Chronicles, verse 25 says, But Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him, for his heart was proud. Therefore, because of this, wrath came upon him and Judah and Jerusalem. And we see this proud heart as Hezekiah responds to Isaiah's future judgment. Look at the end of this story, verse 19 in Kings. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you had spoken is good. It's going to be true. God said it. But listen, the Bible knows his heart. He said, for he thought, why not if there will be peace and security in my days? Pride causes you to be selfish. He didn't even care about the nation anymore. He's like, well, that's God's will, but at least it ain't happened in my life. I'm good. Oh, well. Why not if there will be peace and security in my days? Hezekiah was so consumed with himself in this moment that the Lord isn't pleased that we trust in ourselves. He rebukes him. And he's just like, well, it doesn't really affect me that much. Hezekiah was in a dangerous place, wanting to please men rather than God, build himself up rather than being other sin and boasting in the Lord. And this is a common theme as we are blessed by God to start trusting in our own ability, our own strength rather than praising God. And he should have known better. In the week's reading this last week, I had you read about his grandpa, Uri- U- Uzariah. Uh, in 2 Chronicles 26, it says that his grandpa struggled with pride as well because God blessed him. And it says, but when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. Oftentimes, when we're strong, we forget about God. When we're broken and we need God, then we cry out to God and he gives out grace. But when we start receiving blessing, we start thinking of ourselves so high. Oh, we deserve these blessings. This is great. This is all of us. A verse I've been thinking about with this passage and praying through it is, is 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Paul warns us and says, let, Therefore, let any one of you who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Let any one of you who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Because this can happen to any of us. When God starts pouring out his blessings, we start in the pride of life, trusting in our possessions, our alliances, our men, or all these different things. We need to be very careful that we remain dependent on God. But here's some hope of the story, verse 26 in Chronicles. Because yet, even after the pride of Hezekiah, there was a remedy for it. There's a remedy for him, and there's a remedy for you repentance through humility. But Hezekiah, it says, humbled himself. This was right after the pride, right after the wrath, right after the consequence, he said. But Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart. He repented. He turned from that. Both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. Even in the midst of Hezekiah's pride, God was able to give mercy, grace, And forgiveness as he repented. Aren't you glad for that? Because even in the midst of our pride, God can give mercy, grace, and forgiveness as we repent and go to him. The Bible says he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We can turn to God in humility and receive his grace and be cleansed. And so I pray as we have studied about Hezekiah's pride that it would actually cause our hearts to remain humble. And depend on God. And if he's blessed you and prospered you, praise his name. Bless his name. It's awesome. These things are from God. He's a giver of all good gifts. But don't let it creep into your heart that you wouldn't be a person of gratitude and thanks. Not just giving God lip service. Thank you, God, and then doing your own thing. That's what Hezekiah did. But actually living for him in response. Paul says, therefore, this is your reasonable response. You're living life as a sacrifice to him. So I'll close with this question and we'll respond by taking communion and just singing out to God and finishing our service. But what does walking in humility look like to you? What does walking in humility look like to you? Are you self-reliant, dependent? Does the pride of life and possessions really control you? Listen, let's be a people that boast in the Lord with grateful hearts for all that He's done. For us by His grace and His grace alone. Amen? So we can worship God. We can pray and bless Him. And so let's take time to do that, to take, say thank you for communion, for our salvation, to be grateful and thankful and just have some time to just make space to give you guys opportunity to thank God. We'll take communion for what He's done, knowing that He did the work and by grace we are saved and He is coming back again. And as we live in humility, he's going to pour out his grace upon us over and over again. We can repent even now, believing in the word that God has for us, that even in our prideful, sinful ways, we can continue to go to God, and he'll give us mercy and grace. Let's pray and let's respond. God, we thank you so much for your mercy, for your grace, for your goodness, for this lesson. Help us to see the reality of pride, uh, the reality of sin in our lives. Let us repent. Let us come to you. Let us be thankful for all you've done. In this moment, Lord, we need time to just thank you, whether it be through song or just through our own reflection and praying to you. God, so we bless you, we thank you for this moment. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, for those that don't know you, maybe listening to the podcast or here, that they would put their faith in you and trust in you, repent and turn to you again so that you would pour out your grace once more in their lives. We love you, Lord, May we respond appropriately. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. And we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.